Greetings to all my tech heads out there in the Kev Techify Nation. And if you're new here, welcome. In this episode, we're going to look at LAN attacks. We'll be discussing VLAN hopping attacks, VLAN double tagging attacks, DHCP messages, DHCP attacks, ARP attacks, address spoofing attacks, STP attacks, and then finally we'll talk about CDP reconnaissance. This episode is part of my series on switching routing and wireless essentials for the Cisco Certified Network Associate, also known as the CCNA. I'm Kevin here at Kev Techify. Let's get this adventure started. A VLAN hopping attack enables a device that's attached to one VLAN to go into another VLAN. And this is without the aid of a device such as a router that changes those VLANs for you. This here is a basic VLAN hopping attack. A threat actor is going to configure a host to act just like a switch. And then using that host, they're going to take advantage of the automatic trunking feature that's enabled by default on most switch ports. This would be the mode of dynamic, dynamic auto or desirable. You go in there and you set your switch port as dynamic auto or desirable, the auto negotiation. You set that up on your switch ports. The threat actor is going to set his device to spoof those 802.1Q frames, those dynamic trunking protocols, and those DTP messages. So that a trunk will form between his device and the switch. With a successful trunk, he will be able to send and receive traffic to any virtual network. Here we have the server in VLAN 20. We have the server in VLAN 10. That threat actor will be able to send traffic anywhere because he has that trunk access. The trunk sends data across all of those networks. Get rid of the, or start over with the trunk. Because the trunk sends all VLANs worth of information over that connection. Effectively hopping to any VLAN they want to connect to. With a VLAN double tagging attack, a threat actor is going to embed a hidden 802.1Q VLAN tag inside of a frame that already has an 802.1Q framing VLAN tag. What's going to happen here is we're going to have an attacker. We're going to have that attacker double tag a frame. Here in our example, our attacker is going to build a message that's going to communicate from its current VLAN which is VLAN 10, VLAN 10 right here, with a targeted VLAN of 20 down here on the bottom right. With the attacker being currently on VLAN 10, they're going to build a frame that has, that has an external VLAN header, our VLAN 10 here. This is external.
a VLAN 10. And then an internal VLAN, internal VLAN of 20. We have an external of 10 and an internal of 20, all in that same ethernet frame. When that message is sent to the first switch here, the first switch is going to see that external VLAN tag of VLAN 10. It's going to strip it off. It's going to take it right off and send it off to any device running VLAN 10. The switch, our first switch, also sees that the native VLAN is VLAN 10, and it's going to remove that VLAN 10 header and move it across the trunk to the second switch. As it moves across that trunk link, that first header of VLAN 10 was removed. And now the internal tag, which is the VLAN 20, that still exists. The second switch is going to receive that frame. It's going to now strip off the VLAN 20 header. And it's going to forward it out any VLAN 20 ports, which includes our target computer. This is effectively allowing our threat actor machine VLAN 10 to communicate with the target of VLAN 20 using a double tag. The idea of VLAN hopping and this double tagging can both be prevented by, by a couple security guidelines. First thing to do is remove trunking on access points or access ports. That means down here, remove trunking, here, remove trunking, over here, remove trunking. Remove trunking on those access ports. Disable all of your dynamic trunking. That auto, remove any dynamic trunking. The desirable auto, remove any the dynamic trunking. And once again, the dynamic trunking is dynamic auto, does dynamic desirable trunking. And use just manual static trunking as needed. Native VLANs, those should only be used on trunk links right here. They shouldn't be used on any other ports besides the trunk. And that native VLAN, right here we have native VLAN 10, should never go to an end device, a user device. Which limits where this attack can happen. This is only going to happen because our threat actor is on VLAN 10 and our native trunk, our, na our native VLAN across our trunk is VLAN 10 also. It only works in that situation. DHCP is a powerful tool for easy dynamic addressing across our networks. It could also be a powerful tool for malicious threat actors that want to have some fun with your network. Quick recap here of DHCP. We have DHCP servers that are going to dynamically provide addressing for our devices. 
That includes IP addressing, subnet mask, default. You can hand out DNS servers with that. And there's a whole bunch of other information you can hand out through the DHCP options. And the typical conversation here goes back to Dora. Dora, once again, is the DHCP discover, the DHCP offer, the DHCP request, and the DHCP acknowledgement, Dora. Client turns on, sends a broadcast out saying, I am looking for an IP address. It's a broadcast to all devices on the network. DHCP server hears it and says, I'm here. This is my address. I, I would like to offer you an address. The client hears that. And once again, that's a unicast from the server to the client. The client hears that and says, you know, I like that address. I am going to use it. I extend. I formally request to use it. They send that as a broadcast. The reason it's a broadcast is if there's more than one DHCP server, the other DHCP servicing is going to hear that they're going to use an IP address from a different server. They'll return those offers back to their pools. The DHCP server that sent that offer, here's the request and says, I'm glad you like my IP address. I acknowledge it and they send that back. That's the door process, discover, offer, request, acknowledgement. And then the lease is complete regarding the client taking that IP addressing information. Nice, simple process, but now let's bring in an attack using DHCP. There are two common types of DHCP attacks. One is a starvation attack, starvation. And one is a DHCP spoofing, spoofing attack. With a DHCP starvation attack, the goal of the threat actor is to starve that DHCP server from the clients. What would happen is the threat actor would use up all of those available IP addresses from the DHCP server. Easiest way to do it is having a threat actor use a client machine that is cycling through source MAC addresses, cycling through very quickly and for each MAC address, taking one of those usable IP addresses from the DHCP server. Here's a screenshot of one of those programs. This here is your original MAC address, the one that is hard-coded into your NIC. This is the MAC address that's being changed. Each of these MAC addresses, when they're changed, gets an IP address. When all the addresses are taken from the DHCP server, there is no IP addresses to provide to the legitimate clients. On top of that, there's the DHCP spoofing attack. Imagine having a threat actor setting up their own DHCP server on your network. 
And when your clients use the whole Dora process, and they broadcast out for a discover, and then the offer and the quest and the acknowledgement, but then your rogue DHCP server finishes the conversation with a client and an acknowledgement providing wrong default gateway information and invalid IP address, malicious DNS server. And when that happens, your clients, multiple things can happen with the wrong IP address. They're not able to operate on your on your network with a wrong default gateway. You could set up your, that threat actor could set up their computer as the default gateway, being a man in the middle attack. You could set up a malicious DNS server that would intercept any web pages that are going to a certain address, like the Facebook login page. It would give a fake login page, harvest off those credentials, and then redirect them back to the correct login page. And now we have to prevent this by using safeguards and implementations for security. I hope you're liking this episode on LAN attacks. If you have the time, please leave a comment and let me know what you think about LAN attacks. You can also visit my website at kevtechfi.com for all of my details and how to get these episodes in video and podcast form. Address resolution protocol is a powerful protocol on our networks that allow our networks to function. With ARP, we're talking about having a known IP address being mapped to an unknown MAC address. And this is being used all the time with our devices on the network. Now, a client can send an unsolicited ARP reply, which is also known as a GRA2, I gotta spell this correctly, gratuitous reply, a gratuitous reply. This is really a broadcast that we have a specific IP address that is mapped to a specific map address. Now, the problem is that if someone sends out a gratuitous broadcast, other devices, which would be hosts, as well as network switches, will store that MAC address and IP address combination in their ARP tables and MAC address tables. This is an issue because a threat actor can send a gratuitous ARP message with the spoofed information inside of it. This effectively allows any host to claim to be the owner of any MAC address and IP address combo. Here in our graphic, we have PC1, PC2, and R1. They all have ARP caches that are up to date and correct. Well, what's gonna happen here is PC2, the threat actor, is going to send out a gratuitous ARP. And that gratuitous ARP is going to claim that 10.0.0.1, the IP address of the router, is reachable by using MAC address all C's. 
which is the MAC address of the threat actor. Right here is that MAC address of the threat actor. Also, the threat actor sends out another gratuitous ARP claiming that 10.0011, which is the IP address here of PC1, which is also reachable with MAC address of all Cs, which is once again the I or MAC address of the threat actor's PC. What's going to happen here when PC1 is going to send a frame to 10.0.0.1, it will be the attacker MAC address of all Cs. When the attacker receives that data, it'll be used as a man-in-the-middle attack. When the router responds to 10.0.0.11, the router will be responding to the layer 2 target of all Cs. Which again is going to be the threat actor. What it comes down to is PC1 is going to want to send data to 10.0.0.1. And to do so, it's going to send it to the MAC address of all Cs, which is the threat actor. PC2 will then forward that data to R1. And then the router will send it outbound to its destination. And when the response comes back, the router routes it back to the 10.0.0.1 address. It'll respond back targeting to the layer 2 MAC address of all Cs. Which is the MAC address of the threat actor. And then the threat actor forwards it on to PC1. This is a textbook definition of a man-in-the-middle attack. Fanning tree is a protocol that is on by default on Cisco switches. Its job is to provide us redundant connections while maintaining loop-free pathways. And it works great. But the problem is threat actors can utilize spanning tree to actually change the topology of your network infrastructure. Now, the way they would do this is based off logical, not based off of physical connections, but they would make their host appear as a root bridge. To do this, they would be sending out bridge protocol data units, which are spanning tree layer two messages and these messages will include of something really low. And in this example, we set it at a very low priority of zero. And remember, the lower the priority, or the lowest priority becomes the root bridge. And because what the threat actor sent out in that bridge protocol data unit is a very low priority, and that threat actor's host, which is pretending to be a switch, will be the root bridge. And they'll find the best way to find the root bridge, which means after the election process, 
they'll be dropping that main connection between the switches and connecting through the threat actor's device. And this allows the threat actor's PC to act as a man-in-the-middle attack, intercepting all of that data. And being able to see all network traffic moving across the network. Cisco Discovery Protocol is a proprietary protocol to Cisco. It's a layer two link discovery protocol and is enabled by default. It's a really good protocol. It can be used to verify layer two. It can also be used to verify your layer one physical layer. And once again, it's on by default on all of your Cisco devices. And it can also be scary that it's on by default because it's used to automatically discover other CDP devices that are directly connected. It can be even used to auto-configure some of their connections. Now, while CDP is extremely useful in troubleshooting, our threat actors can use it to easily discover network infrastructure vulnerabilities. For example, the CDP information that is being sent it sends it out periodically as an unencrypted broadcast. This information that is periodically sent out and is sent out once again in an unencrypted format includes the IP address of the Cisco device you're, it was running on. It includes the Cisco Internetworking Operating System and what version it is. It includes the platform and even based off the capabilities of that model of the device. And even includes the VLAN information and more. This graphic was pulled off of a protocol analyzer. Specifically, this is Wireshark. And it's showing us a CDP message. We can see up here that it was a CDP message. And then we can see that all that information was sent in clear text. How can we stop our end devices receiving this periodic unencrypted information? One command we can use is no CDP run. That's put in global configuration mode and we'll turn off CDP everywhere on that device. Or if you want to leave CDP on for those inter-network connected devices, switch the switch, but just turn it off on the user interfaces. That would be the command no CDP enable. And that is applied to the interface. So that goes on the interface. This here is applied globally. And you'd use that on an interface that's connected to an end user device like a PC. We also have LLDP, Link Layer Discovery Protocol. That's the open version of Cisco's proprietary CDP, Cisco Discovery Protocol. 
vendor neutral and anybody can use it that wants to established by the IEEE organization. This is also used for reconnaissance attacks. We can also turn it off globally here using the no LLDP run command. And if we want to do interface specific commands, we can use no LLDP transmit or we can use the LL or no LLDP receive commands right here. It was my pleasure to provide you with this wonderful episode on LAN attacks. If you like this episode and you got value out of it, and depending upon the platform you're using, please click that like button, give a five-star rating, leave a comment. This all helps me bring you more great content. Please take a minute to subscribe to my channel. All my socials and contact information are on my website, captechify.com. There you can find out how to get all these episodes in video and podcast form. In the upper right is my playlist for my series on switching routing wireless essentials for the CCNA. In the bottom right is one of my favorite videos that I linked just for you. Thank you so much for watching this episode of my series on switching routing and wireless essentials. Once again, I'm Kevin. This is Kev Techify. I'll see you next time for another great adventure.